Hello and welcome to Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. We're your hosts, Jill, Grisha, Dave, John, Steve. Yay, Steve's a full-time member of the team now. Yay, Steve. All right, so we're pretty excited to get right into it this week. Um, But before we do, Grisha, what are we drinking? Well, it's pretty early in the morning for us here, so we are drinking pina colada mimosas. These are good. Mm. They're very sweet. <laughs> very good, too. Um, so how you make them, we got it on delish.com, and it is a pineapple juice, coconut rum, and just top it with a little bit of Prosecco. For Dave, we switched to coconut water so that he didn't have to have any alcohol slash had the coconut flavor. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Is it pina colada tasting a little? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it's uh, it's not as thick as normal pina colada would be. Yeah, I didn't use coconut milk, yeah. which is normally what I would use. But I, we're trying to keep it light, and we'll do pina coladas later, I promise. It's definitely light. Like yeah. Yeah, I like it, too. I think when it started to maybe rain this morning, I whole way here I was singing pina coladas and getting caught in the rain because <laughs> I'm such a dork. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Gracia, you are our storyteller this week, so what are we talking about? We are talking about Maura Murray. She is a disappearing case from 2004. Um, I do want to talk at the beginning for two seconds before I stop start about my sources, because there's many of them, and I think listing them um, as they go along will break up the story, so I'm just going to say them at the beginning, so if you guys want to check out these sources I used, there is so much information out on Maura. Um the case is very big. So the main one I did was the Oxygen series. It is a six-part series that they did on this case. And the podcaster, Maggie, that did this case did a phenomenal job. I disagree with her in some points, so we will go over that. But um, that was the main one I used. Also, James Renner is a huge um, source, both his website and his book, True Crime Addict. He spent years traveling the country, uh, tracking down every lead, interviewing people to the point that he ended himself in prison a couple of times for, you know, overzealous uh, journalism. <laughs> but there's also a few podcasts that I used. Um, what, my favorite one so far is the 107 Degrees. Uh, they actually knew Maura Murray, and they were from UMass where she went to school, so that one's pretty interesting. Um, there's a guy, Tim and Lance. They're out of Quincy. They are from Crawl Space Media. They have four years of this case podcasting just on this case. And then the last one was... Um, there's a woman named Jules from a podcast called Riddle Me That that she breaks down a couple of the small parts, and I'll mention her throughout the story. All right, so let's talk about Maura Murray. What makes this case so interesting is that it's a mystery inside a mystery. Most disappearance cases we follow, we know their last known movements, where they are, why they were there, and we can figure out what they were up to. In this case, not only is she missing, but she's been missing since 2000. 2004, and we have no idea why she was even in New Hampshire. Uh, Not only is she missing, but she's been missing since 2004, and why was she even in New Hampshire? More and her family and everybody involved add a whole other dimension to the story. They withhold information. It is a very interesting family dynamic here. And not only her family, but her best friends that were with her along the way. Like, your friend is missing and you don't want to help anybody. You'll see it gets pretty interesting throughout the case. The lack of information sharing and complete disregard for the police and all investigators are insane and add to this mystery. So let's dive in and see what really happened to Maura Murray. Maura was born May 4th, 1982. Wow, my birthday. Is it really? Yeah, Yeah, that's the same same birthday as me. May 4th, 1982? Well, yeah, I was born in 78. I was like, like, Dave, I think you're not as old as I am. It was 
May the fourth no, be with you. I'm old. <laughs> I'm old. Uh, she was born in Hanson, Massachusetts. She was raised in an Irish Catholic household. She was the fourth child. That explains it. Of <laughs> Frederick and Lori. She has an older brother, Fred. She has two older sisters named uh, Julie and Kathleen. The two sisters come into play a lot, so remember them. She has a younger brother, Kurt, but he's a half-brother from her mother's um, new marriage. Uh, she's about 5'7", 120 pounds. She graduated from Whitman Hanson High School. She was a star track athlete, run the marathon a couple times, avid runner. She was a straight-A student um, on the Honor Society, had tons of friends. Most people, when they described her in school, just said that all she was about was success. Like, her constant drive for success really, like, just showed in every way which is why she started attending West Point. So right out of college, she goes to West Point. There she majors in chemical engineering. The sad part here is she only lasts three semesters, so we're going to talk about that. Um, first of all, I want to say, though, that her older sister, Julie, is also there, and she's very much excelling at the course. So Julie is very similar to her. They have this very um, back-and-forth competitive nature. they both avid runners. Their dad trains both of them. It... Um, it drives their whole lifestyle, the two of them, like, having that rivalry, you know? Um, but Mora, uh, at West Point, in 2001, she has seven disciplinary actions on her record. Uh, she commits some bad stuff while she's in school. Little stuff. They don't really say what those are, but they do talk about the big one. What's the big one? She stole from Fort Knox. Wow. Well, that is kind of big. Cool. Is it, that's not the makeup kit. Yep. Oh, it's the makeup yep. kit. So I think yeah. that's a riot because, like, every saying is, like, it's harder to get into than Fort Knox, and this girl steals from it. Like, for What did she steal? Makeup? Makeup. Like, literally, oh. like, a nail polish and a lipstick. I was going to say that, but that's Does not a Does Fort Knox have a makeup? Commissary. Are they, like, Sephora now? <laughs> <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> you <True>. never know. <laughs> Uh, so she goes in, she steals the makeup, she's with another girl, and in the um, Oxygen series, they interview the girl that she was with when she stole, and she literally turns to her and says, you have money, why are you taking that? Like, they came there with money. And Maura just kind of like said, like, I don't know, I just felt like doing it. Wow. Like, so she really didn't have a motivation for doing it, just felt like stealing that day from Fort Knox. Does she have a history of being klepto? Yeah. She did have some shoplifting in the past from uh, college, from high school, but nothing on her record. Sounds you know? like she had a problem. Mm. Yeah. Because klepto, it's just, it's not even about, it's just about the stealing. It's compulsory it's not, too, yeah, right? Yeah, it's compulsive yeah. behavior. It's not, yeah. it's not like they, they'll, they'll steal something they don't even need, you know. It's yeah. like, you know. And, and throughout the story, you'll kind of see she has these weird behaviors that she does kind of stuff like that, where you're like, I don't want to say weird, because there's just not things that I would do. Like What? You wouldn't steal from Fort Knox? I would not steal from Fort Knox, because <laughs> you're, you're going to get kicked out of school. Like, CVS is one thing. Let's talk. Like, <laughs> If you're going to steal makeup, I'm not going to be Fort Knox. A lot of them like, be like on your record. Like, yeah. I stole from Fort Knox. Um, That's give you a street cred. Street cred and huge, you know. <laughs> so they then take her into a disciplinary hearing because this is a big deal. So they, um, she pleads guilty immediately. She doesn't fight it because they literally caught her, like, in the store with it in her hand, walking right out the door. Like, she did not get far. Um, so they are about to, like, do her sentencing hearing. I don't know how the military works, but we all know it's, like, different than the outside. 
So after she pleads guilty, she has like a month or two before it. She's like suspended from classes and everything. And she has that time to like fester, I guess. And she quits. So she just withdraws before they can throw her out. Smart. (laughs) So she decides to head back to Massachusetts, lick her wounds a bit. And she applies to UMass out in Amherst. She applies to their nursing program. Her grades are incredible. So of course she gets in right away. She gets there, she does well, she starts going through her nursing practicums, everything. All of her teachers love her, say the same thing, she's brilliant. However, her little tendencies come back again. She finds a receipt in a garbage can and takes the credit card number off the receipt, brings it back to her room, orders $250 worth of food, like crazy amounts of food, and just for no reason. She has no friends there, she has no, just yeah, that's random. Yeah, it sounds like she has something's going on with her. Like yeah. when I lived at the apartment over on Cross Street, there was a kid at, who worked at, uh, I think it was at Friendly's, it was a restaurant. And what he would do, he would take people's credit cards and he would write down the numbers. Mm. And then he would order stuff and have it shipped right to his house. <laughs> so somehow they managed to catch him. Wow. <laughs> well, this is how the, co- the cops followed a delivery guy. So yeah. the woman who had that credit card said, hey, someone's using my credit card. She ordered at a pizza place. They followed the pizza guy, pizza guy when she signed the receipt. They arrested mm-hmm. her right there. They put her on probation yeah. for six months. Hmm. She's lucky she only got probation. Well, she once paid back. A she also paid a card. Yeah. yeah, she had the money. Again, she has this money. She's just doing it for fun. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like it might be some kind of mental illness, I actually, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Yeah, and she's also bulimic, so she has some other issues around. Oh. I was going to bring that up a little later. Yeah, I was, when you said 5'7", 120, I'm like, that's small. Mm, that's yes. about Lonnie. Yeah, okay. But I And Lonnie's also a daily runner, so yeah. that like puts it into perspective. Lonnie yeah. floats between like 120 and 124. Yeah. There's some articles out there that are kind of cruel. Um, the the family's pretty tight-lipped, so we, here, when I talk about pe- things, it's usually not from the family. But there's some articles out there that the family actually used to say to her, like, why are you even coming to Thanksgiving? You're just going to throw it up anyways. You're going to waste our What food. a nice, supportive family. Like, they would say, I mean, this is not things that, like, of course, Maura told us because we don't know, but she had told friends that mm-hmm. her... Her parents were pretty, like, brutal about the bulimia. and Or, like, if she would eat a lot, her dad would be like, we're going for a run because you're going to get fat. Like, because mm. they were so her avid. Dad. Her dad was her main trainer for the marathons and stuff. That's true. So he's her coach. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, he's harder on her than normal. And he wait till we get to him, but he's a yeah. little... Yeah. A little crazy. Is he trying to live vicariously through his daughters or... Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. they have a, a, a weird relationship, and I don't know... I don't know if it's that his dad just, her dad just wants them to be like the best at everything, or mm-hmm. if he was nothing, you know, because you can't really tell. It, it could be a combination of the two, you know? Yeah, I mean, we all want our kids to succeed, but not to the point where we're going to, you know, torment them over it, you know? I well, mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it said that some Christmases he made them run before they could open up Christmas presents. Oh, my God, jeez. Oh, I don't, know. I don't care if my kids succeed. I just don't want them to drain me dry of all my money. <laughs> <laughs> but it's getting dicey. Failure on that point. <laughs> Failure. <laughs> um, so I'm going to post the arrest photo of her today because I'll post like some other photos of her, but the arrest photo, she just looks like a totally different person. It's almost like there's like this insane person living inside of her. Her whole face changed. She looks fatter. She looks... 
I don't know. Stressed. She's stressed. Yeah. She looks everything in this arrest photo. It's. I thought the same thing when I saw that. Yeah. Because all the other ones are like her smiling and uh, like hiking and biking, and she's an avid outdoors person. Um, loves the North Woods, which we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, Everyone's arrest photo looks bad, though. Well, it's like at a college dorm. Well, actually, like, she didn't actually this, go to um, prison. Lady from Arizona who <laughs> did you ever? I can't. I can never think of her name. She 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 joined the Mormon Church to go out with this guy, and she ends up murdering him. Oh! And right. when they did her mug shots, she's like posing. <laughs> she's like she's the one who did the yoga and the uh, police interrogation. Yeah, I probably smile. I mean, even if I'm upset, I think my tendency is to be like, okay. Like, I might look like I'm pooping, because, like, when you smile and you really don't want to smile, you have that, like, poop face. Right, guys? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I say it to my kids all the time. When Michael fakes it, I'm like, dude, that's a poop face. Don't do it. Anyways, so now we're going to start talking about the days leading up to Morris going away, because we really don't know a lot about the day of, so we're going to talk about her pattern. So four days before she goes missing on February 5th, Moore is working the front desk at the dorm. So she has like one of those like on-campus um, jobs with work-study type of programs mm -hmm. where it's not her dorm, but it's a dorm like within walking distance. I believe it was called Kennedy, and she signs people in. So like anybody who doesn't live in that building has to like sign in with an ID. That way, if something happens, they know who's not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. So that's her job, and she has the night shift. So... People say that everything seemed fine till around 1 a.m. Then Mora is just a mess. She's crying. She's shaking. She's not making eye contact with anybody. People are just walking by her. She's not doing her job. So somebody else who does that job on a different day walks by and says, this is a safety factor. I'm going to call our supervisor. Can I just ask you, what year are we in? 2004. Okay. So... Like, so cell phones were a thing, but maybe not everybody had one at this point. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, well, because she map quests later, so you'll realize that. Oh, oh I remember What's that. The good old days of map quests. Days, yeah. When that comes up, I literally started laughing. Like I was like, Oregon <laughs> Trail days. <laughs> when it's, one of the things she does is map quests, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I what, love about, it. what about 411? You're trying to get uh, yeah. Oh, information? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And AOL, like, yeah, dial-up. You got mail. <laughs> the good old days. So funny. Well, I mean, they, there is goodbye. email. Goodbye, yes. Goodbye. I used to scream. <laughs> Fuck you. So anyways, she's... <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, so they go to get the supervisor. Her name is Karen. So Karen comes down and tries to like, hey, how's it going? Like, tries to just assess the situation. And Moore is literally catatonic. Doesn't look at her, doesn't say anything. Like, just stares at her phone. Like... She said it was almost eerie, like, to look at her because she just was, like, so zoned out. So Karen's like, Maura, like, can I help you? Like, what, what's going on with you? And she just points at her phone and says, my sister. Doesn't say any more. And then just burst into tears. So Karen then says, you know what? The girl who came to get her, can you work for her? I'm going to get Maura back to her room. Something's going on. Karen's like, I don't want to leave you, but, you know, do you have a roommate? She's like, I do have a roommate, so I'll be fine. You can leave me. Maura doesn't have a roommate, but... Mm -hmm. She doesn't want Karen to stay there anyways. So oh. two things that occur to me when, when I listen to you, uh, Grace, you're doing an excellent job, by the way. Um, Speed talking. So she's either having a panic attack, because I recognize those symptoms, mm -hmm. or she's popped something, you know, or maybe both. Or or both. Maybe There's both. also, you know, the, if somebody's making you feel intimidated, they oftentimes say, you know, there's a fight or flight response. There's actually... 
fight, flight, freeze, and fawn that people might go through if they feel really frightened over something. You know, so she if she was totally cataton like unresponsive, that might be freeze. So And this is a teaser. This one is gonna come up. This particular conversation applies not only today, but it'll apply to next week's episode too. Because okay. the the my sister part of it applies later and so keep this in mind, guys. Um so the weird part here is the contents of this call were actually kept secret till two thousand seventeen. It wow. took her sister, Kathleen fucking 13 years to tell the cops what this conversation was about. Well, I wonder, though, if that's because of... uh, Let me start that question differently, right? So I was recently listening to a podcast on um, the smart girl who got got kidnapped out of her room, and it took her sister, who witnessed it, years to say, I witnessed it. I know what happened. I know who the guy is. Because she'd gone into, like, some kind of shock, shock. you know, and some kind of remorse feeling and, you know, fear had taken over her. It took her years. That's interesting, because I thought this was so weird, but mostly because they don't tell anything to the cops. So I thought that this was, like, just them withholding more information. What she does say, though, is that she's a recovering alcoholic, and she had just gotten out of rehab, and her... In 2004. Yeah. Okay. Her then-boyfriend drove her right to the liquor store. Hmm. And she was freaking out in the parking lot of the liquor store. What a supportive guy. He's, he seems like a real winner. <laughs> this is Maura? Who's, uh, no, this is Kathleen. This okay. is the, sister. the claim of the phone call for my sister. Kathleen says that's what was going on. Okay. So she was crying in the car, and she called Maura for, like, support. Okay. To say, like... To be, like, her sponsor. Thing. Yeah. Okay, got yeah. it. So this is what she says 13 years later. To a news media, not to the cops. The cops, she kept saying, I don't remember the call, I don't remember the call, I don't remember the call. So to your point, maybe she honestly didn't remember it. She was an addict. Yeah. And throughout time, Kathleen is in and out of rehab her mm. whole life. Like, Could uh, be. She's was... been around the block, if you see her photo, guys. Been around the block. Just even that smart girl, she wasn't an addict, actually, mm-hmm. but she still had like repressed those you know that for a while she was still afraid to come forward so well it's sometimes like rape victims and stuff when they say they change mm-hmm. their stories it's because in the moment you interviewed them they felt a certain way but then when they think about it later they're like no right I actually remember it this way and then cops like well you said this at first mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. it's because they were in a well David raised that last week right with mm-hmm. even way back when yeah I mean you you know, and in recollection is the way human memory works isn't it's not as accurate as we actually like we think sometimes when we're in a situation like I'll never forget a single detail of this, but actually your brain does change it around and it it, it does, so you can't you know, you you have to go based on recollection, obviously, but you have to realize that human recollection, especially in traumatic situations, isn't perfect. Right. Exactly. And even so. maybe not in traumatic situations, too. I was listening to another <laughs> podcast where they were talking about how the police can imprint a confession onto oh, yeah. someone. Correct. And yeah. they'll, like, feed them information, mm-hmm. and they do it in such a way that, like, some of these people confessing don't know what's true and what's not. They also do it to witnesses. They yeah. lead them. Yep. It's weird. I, yeah. So. I've seen many cases where, like, the police have led a witness or somebody, and the next thing you know, they're like, wait a minute, did that actually happen? Yeah, what did but happen? But it sometimes takes them a while because yeah. they're in the moment, and... And oh, they include yeah, little yeah. details, like, Dave was wearing a plaid shirt. Don't you remember mm. his plaid shirt? You know what yep. I mean? And so they include those small details where mm. you're like, 
oh yeah, maybe he was wearing a plaid jean. No, maybe I see Dave wear plaid yeah, jeans. exactly. Like, and then it starts to build a false memory in your own yeah. mind. It's really fascinating. So. It is. Anyway, I was in my um, garage last week, and I was getting ready to mow lawns. I'm getting this stuff ready. Well, we know this isn't a real memory. You <laughs> <laughs> actually mowed the lawn. <laughs> and uh, we had bought a, a, new, a new hand mower last year. Right. And I have a riding mower, as you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought, in my mind, I bought a new riding mower as well, and who stole it? So I'm complaining to Mother about this, my wife. Uh-huh. And she goes, <laughs> we didn't buy a riding mower. <laughs> but in my head... You was, bought one. Yeah, and somebody stole it, damn it. <laughs> Call the cop. Oh, jeez. Uh-huh. You'll do anything to get out but of here. It just work. shows you, it's probably my age, too, but it, it, it just shows you that what David's saying is absolutely yeah. right. You think a memory is... Solid, and there was no trauma associated with it. Right, yeah, that's what I mean. You that actually, Dad thinking he's going to mow the lawn, that would be trauma. That would be traumatic. <laughs> and weed whack, too. That would really do it. I'm, I'm not, I've ruined more weed whackers over my lifetime. I'm, I'm, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. All right, let's go back you to the You ever seen a cat cut in half? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jesus. you don't want to. We're definitely going back to 2004 now. <laughs> <laughs> so two days later on Saturday, uh, Fred, her dad, comes down to Amherst because Maura needs a new car. Her car and the quality of her car comes up a bunch of times throughout the story. So note that two days before, they were searching to get her a new one. Because quite often throughout podcasts, they're like, why was she even driving that car? Like, it was a piece of junk. But they were actively looking for a new car. So they go down, they go shopping all around there. If you guys know the area, of course, there's that whole Route 9 area. So they went down Route 9, hopping from place to place, trying to find her a nice car. In Amherst? Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, so then they went out to dinner. Um, one of her best friends came along for dinner because Dad took them both out. Then Dad checked into the hotel because during the divorce, Dad has moved to Connecticut, and he didn't want to drive back after he'd had some beverages, so he rented a hotel room. He gives more his car because... Her car is unreliable. She takes his car and goes to a party. Mm-hmm. The party, Kate, her best friend, and her other best friend go. Besides that, we have no idea who is at the party. They won't say anything about this party. Whatever asked about it by the cops or anybody else, they won't say who's there. They won't say what happened. They won't say nothing. Gracia, do they say why they won't say? Do they, they don't remember. Oh, that's what they... Okay. Really, it must have been a hell of a party. Hell of a party. Amherst. Yeah. When the, yeah. we've all been to parties there. Yeah. When the cops yeah, try I didn't to get go like, to Amherst, <laughs> me neither. Well, that comes up too, David. You know, they have a lesbian bar there. It's a real trip if you're a guy walking into it and you don't realize they have certain nights that they reserve for the ladies. For the ladies. And they they have a bouncer there, some lady. Right? And it more or less tells you, back out. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, so they go to this party. Um, Mora <laughs> somehow, I don't even know what happens at the party right now. So in the rest of the story, we're just going to talk about what happens right after the party. So she then tries to drive back to her dad's because she's like, I'm going to stay at the hotel, not the dorm room. Because I guess the apartment where the party was was far enough off campus that the hotel was closer. She gets in a car accident on the way there. 
She hits a guardrail, does $10,000 worth of damage to her dad's Toyota Corolla. Great driver, this one. She is a Toyota Corolla is even worth a lot of damage. Of course, if you're always drunk, it's. Yeah. So that amount of money, I had to say it because I was like, she did a ton of damage. So she hit a guardrail. I feel like that car is total. So the trooper shows up on site, just brings her to her father, does no field sobriety, tows the car, brings her to the hotel, and drops her off. Nobody thinks this is weird. Um, Sometimes cops can be cops like... Cops can be pretty nice about yeah. that stuff once in a while, um, but you yeah. know, typically that's not man. how a cop would do it. You know, Usually they want to make the arrest. Usually, but so, not always. Yeah. Some, some people get arrested, but some don't. Yeah. <laughs> so this cop had no connection to her dad? Or no had dad. connection to anybody. All we know is that he didn't report anything for drunk driving. But he just dropped her off at the hotel. Hmm. Now, Fred says he doesn't hear Maura come in. He doesn't hear her climb into bed. He has a one-bed hotel room. She crawls in with him, and he doesn't feel that at all. He wakes up the next morning, and she's laying next to him. He's like, hey, how'd you get here? And she starts crying, tells the story. I wrecked your car. It's been towed. I think it's funny she didn't wake him up because that cracks me. Like She's like, yeah. I'm just going to crawl in here, go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mean, I could see that. If she's intoxicated, for sure. Yeah. Right? She doesn't want to say anything or do anything. So she just does that. Next morning, they get up. They go down to the police station. The cops say, we didn't fault her. Your insurance is going to cover it. So he files the reports, gets everything done. He goes home. Maura heads back to her dorm room kind of gets ready for her next day so i just want to interject so she hit a guardrail yeah and they didn't fault her nope How, was it the guardrail fault <laughs> yeah <laughs> it jumped out I mean, How usually the fuck? if you hit the guardrail it means you weren't actually on the road for real though David? she hit a fucking guardrail and did ten thousand dollars worth of damage like how no sighting what the fuck was no she driving like yeah <laughs> She must wow. have hit it for like four miles. Did she, <laughs> like, did she say there was like ice? What what time of the year? It's was, February. I mean, well, maybe. I mean, that's all I could think of. But this the comp. That's why I say the re- cop report is very weird. No yeah. sighting. No alcohol testing. No nothing. Just she was in an accident. She hit the guardrail. Was it's, the cops over? <laughs> that's a very good question. It was Amherst. <laughs> but True. if there was no one else involved, it's probably uh, doable that the cops not like going through all those steps. And she, it's not her car. It's her dad. She's probably freaking out that. You know, she yeah, she probably it. was yeah. crying. And... It, it could have been just a cop being really nice. Like yeah, we'll probably say had it was a road conditions. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So could be. Yeah. Okay. So here's some interesting facts that uh, he talks about afterwards. So Fred continues later that morning. He says, okay, I'm just going to let you go. Then Fred doesn't say anything either. Now his car is totaled. Like, to me, your your kid just totaled your car. Like, yeah, you're okay. She's okay. But you're not going to have a conversation about this. He says, oh, I didn't really even mind because it was going to be covered by insurance. I just rented a car and went home. Hmm. I gotta know who this fucking insurance company is that's gonna pay ten thousand dollars on a Toyota Corolla. Yeah, I seem to remember one of my daughters driving a car right into a. And you were not upset at all, like. I I, went to visit her in the (laughs) hospital. It wasn't me. I know. That's what was so damn crazy. Is that you let that other girl drive that? I don't even know what you're talking about. This is a false memory. (laughs) But like, who just says, "Oh, I don't mind." You know, that's like the world's. 
yeah, oh, we, I mean, we do. We're those kind of parents okay. that would be like, yeah. yeah, no, we are. Like, oh, you know, like, it's okay. It's too late. Everybody's all right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. I agree with, but just say... He's so casual about it. So casual, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I would want to know, like, did you learn something? Like, were you going too fast? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Like, you know, I wouldn't hit the roof. Right. Yeah, we wouldn't either. The way that it's reported, it just feels like he just, it was like another day, like, they had just said, like, oh, you went to the store? Oh, great. Yeah, he's a divorced dad. He's a divorced dad. Yep, and they're very close. Like they're they go on like camping weekends together. They go everywhere together. They're very close. And if she was still upset, I don't think I'd have leaned into her either. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So now we're at the days of disappearance because the day after she disappears. So the facts are scattered, but here they are because nobody really knows because Maura was by herself the whole day. So you have to kind of go by like when her cell phone was pinging. Mm -hmm. And again, they're not these modern cell phones where you're constantly internet or something it's just when you check your voicemail or you get a text it there's no pinging throughout the day so at midnight Moore decides that night to map quest directions to burlington vermont she prints them out and then around 1 p.m goes to bed obviously because the next thing you know is at 1 p.m she emails her boyfriend an interesting text Oh, so I wonder why she emails. She texts her boyfriend. Interesting text. It says, I love you more, stud. I got your messages, but honestly, I don't feel like talking to much of anyone. I promised to call you today, though. I love you, Mora. So obviously something's going on with the boyfriend, right? I got all your texts. Don't feel like talking today. What happened at the party? Where are the conversations going on there? So that's the big thing that the cops are trying to figure out what happened during that time with their phones because they can't the records mara had a burner phone so she didn't have one that was associated to an account hmm. i can't read this i should have done notes. this girl is shady for sure right this girl's interesting right she then at 113 she goes to a fellow nursing student's room she drops off some scrubs by the door at 124 she emails her work supervisor at the nursing school and tells her she'd be out of town for a week Due to a death in her family. Now, there's some discrepancy here. Some sites say death in the family. Some sites say family emergency. It's one of the two. Um, the cops don't say anything. They are releasing, like, no mm-hmm. information on this case. That's common for police not to. Because one of the things they'll do is if somebody calls and or comes forward says, I have information on this case, um, if the police have been releasing all this information then obviously you could get it from there. So they want to be able to filter out, do you really have something legitimate that nobody else knows except for us? Yeah. So that's why the police don't do that. So. Yeah, and throughout the day, that's pretty much what this is. Like, we don't have information from them at all. Mostly what I read was it was the death in the family, and there was no death in the family. Yeah, so you don't know, but there's a one of the podcasts says that that was an exaggeration by somebody, and then everybody went with it. Okay. So I don't know that that's true. Okay. You know, like, I didn't see the email, so I don't know. Um, So then she says she'll contact them after she returns. She'll be gone about a week. Of course, nobody in her family has died, so we know that that's a lie if that is the case. And there's no big issue with her family either where she'd be gone a week. So she wanted to bolt. Yep. (coughs) So the 205 more than calls a number, which uh, she's trying to book a hotel in Stowe, Vermont. That call lasted about five minutes, and then she never booked it. And then at 2.18, she telephones her boyfriend, left a voice me- leaves a voice message. That call ends after a minute. She then packs her car with clothing, toiletries, college textbooks, birth control pills, and other things. Which I think is funny they said birth control pills. 
Like, who cares? Except she's gone for a while. Everyone carries their birth control pills around at that age. Well, hmm. they can also mention toilet paper, so. <laughs> toilet trees. Oh, toilet trees. Okay. <laughs> toilet you know, paper those are trees that trees. grow in um, <laughs> Portugal, I think. They, uh, <clears throat> they have toilets she... hanging from the branch. You know? <laughs> at 3.30, she drives off campus, so they have some kind of thing showing her go off campus. She is driving a 1996 Saturn. Mm-hmm. So it's like eight years old at this point, but it is a piece of shit. We're going to get into that, too. Um, d- d- just for a second here, I want to go back to the birth control. Yeah. <laughs> does, uh, not being a woman, but does that say that she may have intended to hook up with somebody? No. no. It depends on okay. what kind it was, but she said pills. You have to take your birth control pills every single day. Yeah. So what that does say is that... She wasn't like say intending to commit suicide, right? Like she was yeah. intending that she would. And also that she's going to be away longer than a day. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. You Thank know? you. Yeah. Because you got to take them every day at the same time, per yeah. se, for them to work. So most girls have like alarm on their phone or something nowadays, where they take them at like nine a.m. Now they get injections, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot easier, really? but yeah. Yeah, craziness, right? So then she stops at the ATM. <laughs> Seems like I have questions. <laughs> Uh, at 3.40 p.m., she then withdraws $280 from the ATM. The uh, footage from the ATM shows her alone. She then stops at the liquor store. <clears throat> this part is very important. Moore purchased about $40 worth of alcohol. The alcohol is actually important. It comes up in two different ways. So she buys Bailey's, Kahlua, vodka, and a box of wine. Yum. Yep. <laughs> like she's making mudslides mm-hmm. and having a box of wine. It's pretty much what I get from this conversation. Yep. And the way we know she would bought this is that's what was at... The store and what was on her receipt found in the car. So that is definite bought in Amherst. It was Franzia wine. That's like swill. It was Franzia wine. Oh, that is disgusting. <laughs> it's hardly wine. It's like barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> the security footage from that store also shows she was alone. And then at some point in the day, she does stop to pick up those um, accident report forms from the DMV. And then it is estimated that she left Amherst between 4 and 5. They don't know exact time because, you know, we're just all guessing here. She heads up 91 North. She called in to check her voicemail at 437, and that is the last time her cell phone ever pings. So now we're going to jump to the accident. Okay. That's what she did. This That's is the accident, the guardrail. Yes. Okay. Nope. No. Second accident. Oh, no, second no. accident. Okay. No, she has one a day, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Every two days, she's in a car accident. Yeah, superior That's driver. How she reminds herself to take her phone. <laughs> <laughs> driving to the guardrail. <laughs> And if the the pills don't work, she has a practice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So uh, we're going to fast forward up to Woodsville, New Hampshire. A resident calls in a 911 call at 727. She is on Route 112. Um, It is the second part of the Kankamangas Highway, if you Mm -hmm. know that highway. It's the part that's not touristy. So it's more like residential. Um, They call it... Wild Emasuk Road or something uh-huh. like that, but it is part of the Kankamangas Highway. Um, the car was pointed west in the eastbound lane when it was found. She telephoned the sheriff's department and told them that she saw a man smoking inside the car. She believed that they were okay, but they were down in a ditch. So that's 727. So didn't she, she later say she didn't see a man yeah, smoking? That, yep. Or am I jumping the gun? You're jumping the gun a little, but that's okay. okay. So I'm a little confused, so... She stopped on the highway? To She's sitting right... It's out right outside of her house. Sorry. She's oh. it's literally right across the street. Oh, and she witnessed an accident? She hears it. Hears it. She hears the accident, looks out the window, sees them in the ditch. She sees the cigarette light. 
calls 911 and says there's two people in a car in a ditch in front of my yard. Okay. Looks like there's yeah, more a dozen smoke. So if there was yeah. somebody smoking in the car, it would probably have been somebody else, obviously. Yes. Because right? she's a runner. Does Correct. this lady be like, let me go ask if they're okay? Or is she just nope. like, yo, stays cops, in the I'm house. just going to watch from here. Stays like, in the house, doesn't go outside. Oh, what a nice... That's responsible. And I also think it's weird because later she recants, like he said, and she says that she thinks it was a cell phone light. Like, a cigarette and a cell phone light don't look similar. No, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> Not even close. And, like, the cell phones back then were, like, blue, right? Well, yeah, and they, they, they had, had the like, small the little windows, yeah, and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. I just think her recanting is weird. Yeah. It's almost like the cops, like, prefaced that because they wanted to go with a different theory. And obviously, if she hadn't been connecting with her cell phone, it's probably not the cell phone light. Because back then, the cell phones didn't have cameras. It would have pinged, or, or yeah. like, um, yeah. they didn't have the flashlight thing, yeah. right? So it would have pinged if she tried to call somebody. Correct. So. So, so she recants later, but we're not going to talk about that because we don't have any proof of either of those things. But it is something to note because if there's a guy in the car, that changes the whole story, right? Sure. Well, but, I don't know the story, so it's impossible for me to change it just yet. <laughs> I'm learning as we go. That's true. So, um, bah, 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 bah. so now a bus driver pulls up. Bus bus driver. It seems like it's late for a bus driver to be going, but he's one of those bus drivers that goes from resort to resort, taking the skiers. Okay. Okay. So he's not like a school bus driver, or you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he t- and he takes even workers. So he was saying that he had just come from Loon and doing a drop off to another mountain. So he pulls over. He's about 20 feet away from her. He asks her if she's okay. Asks her if she wants to get in the bus. He lives right there. He'll let her call 911. She says, no, please don't call the cops. I called AAA. I'm going to be fine. Like, begs him not to call the police. He is scared because he knows she didn't call AAA because there's no reception up there. So he's like, there's no way. You have to use a landline up here. We're in the middle of nowhere. So he then goes back to his house, calls 911. His call is at 743. The police do show up. Cecil shows up at 746, is what the police log says. However, we're going to take a step back for a second, because at 727, she heard the crash, right? Shortly after that, Bush pulls up, has his conversation, he leaves. In between that time and the time he called the police, another woman comes by. She's called Witness A. She doesn't want to come forward until, like, a couple weeks later, because she didn't realize that her testimony was even going to be important. But she saw a police cruiser, an SUV, pulled nose to nose with the vehicle. And that was at 7.37, she drives by. So that's the key. The key there is there might be another officer that showed up on scene. Because when Cecil gets there, he says he's the first one on scene, and that's at 7.46. 7.37, this woman drove by, slowed down because she saw the car having an accident. Because where it is, it's like a kind of like a corner. Mm-hmm. And there's a ditch that goes down, and the ditch is about, they say about two feet down. Actually, there's water that runs there in the spring, so you can kind of picture a light runoff, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a tree line about eight feet back. Okay. So you're, that's kind of what you're looking at. And the road also curves like a straight, almost 90 degrees right before that. That's a scary-ass road, because we used to be up there all the time with Jesse's snowboarding mm-hmm. team. Yeah, it is a crazy road. Because yeah. they estimate Morris' speed was around 20 miles an hour when she hit that corner. So Joe McGee, he's a journalist. Um, he summarized it at a hairpin turn. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Snow fucking she went turn. off the road, car hit a tree. 
Although and she, that's basically how he described it. In the sounds play. like she would have gone off the road if it was perfectly straight, beautiful day. <laughs> Knowing <but>. her. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like her driving skills. Yeah. Of course, at this point also, she's nowhere near Vermont, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That quest took her the total road. Yeah, well, and this is, this is like... I mean, way out of the way. Nowhere yeah, near yeah, Vermont. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. know the, like, not like an expert, but I kind of know Vermont and New mm-hmm. Hampshire and all Jill, that. Jill, that's an important part that comes up later, yeah. that she's so, not in the right area. Within 10 minutes, she's yes. gone. She's gone. 10 minutes. Because the cars, car? Is her car gone, too? Car's there. Oh, yeah, car was she's left She's gone, there. yeah. So Full Butch, wine. <laughs> yeah, so 737, she goes by, car and cop, right? So witness A is going by. She sees Mora. She sees the cop. But she says, everything's fine and keeps going home. Butch has already gone home to call, and he lives, like, just a little bit down the road. You can see the crash from his house, but it's not close enough that he could actually, like, see details, you know? Okay. Now I know why. You know, it just dawned on me. Why? Why she didn't want to call the cops. She's drunk. She's drunk, and that wine box was open. There was wine all over that car. I read that report. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's funny how, you know, your brain's like, (laughs) oh, yeah. So the other things to notice, it is February. There are two and a half feet of snow on the ground at this time. Okay. So she's coming through a hairpin turn with two and, a half, two and a half feet of snow on the ground. So when she comes around that corner, she could have hit anything at that time of night. You know, maybe it was nice during the day. It's it's a difficult road. It's scary. Yeah. And yeah. it's 30 degrees. That's the approximate temperature that everybody said. So it is a cold yeah, night. It's got to be freezing. Yeah. Um, blah, blah, blah. So the and cops it's said in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire. Middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. So. So the, the big problem that most people have with this is that the police log seems to be inaccurate. Because if somebody was there at 737, like, which cop showed up at that time? So that's where we're going to have to remember that for one of our suspects. So the cop that does arrive at 746, which is Cecil, he looks for the driver. He can't find her. The car is locked. The car has its lights on inside and outside. And he can't get into the vehicle, so he just walks around the outside of the car. Butch then approaches and says, hey, where'd she go? She was just here. So when that happens, they both take off eastbound because that's where all the stores are. If you go westbound, it's into the middle of nowhere. Okay, so I have another question. Yeah. Um, weren't there, like, footprints? Because if there was two and a half feet of snow mm-hmm. on the ground, no there footprints. would have been footprints. Like, we don't float. And, like, this isn't, like I said, we're, I'm really familiar with this area. It's not a place where people would be like, I'm going to go for a walk in the woods or yeah. snowshoeing or shit like that. Like, it's not that kind of a place. You don't get out of your car at this point. You know, so no footprints. So, so Gracia, in my notes, I have that at 8, 8.30 p.m., a contractor returning home from Francona said he saw somebody walking four or five miles from there. Yes. So that's about 45 minutes later. That does come up in just one second. Uh, give me two seconds on that, and then we'll bring it back up. So one, Cecil and the bus two. driver head down the road. They don't go very far, though, and this is what everybody's problem is. They maybe walk a half a mile. Like, oh, nope, not here. Let's go back. She must have run away. It's freezing. Mm-hmm. It is cold, yeah. Bus driver, she was shimmering, yeah. And she was shivering. She was cold. She did not have proper attire. Butch mentions all of this when he describes her later. Her hair was down. She was visibly upset. He doesn't know if she's been drinking because she was so shooken up. The airbag had deployed, so she had been hit by the airbag. So she was a little... Did he see the guy? He did not see a guy. Hmm. He did not see a guy. And that guy floated, too. And that guy floated as well. So originally there was a guy and a girl, which is more of a vampire. Which is what the 
lady says though but we don't know that there was a guy in the car definitely that's just a small piece that like popped in there and there's like 12 podcasts just on whether there was a dude in the car or not and Mm -hmm. you're you're really just speculating there's no proof that he was in the car or not yeah Yeah, as far as i know that she was the only one who said that initially everybody else said no i didn't see they never found now did the police do any type of thorough investigation like looking for cigarette butts around the area they don't tell us any of that there's Mm. no so all of this data is hidden you know who did the most thorough examination and i know grace is going to tell you about it is the uh Accident reconstruction report yeah. that was seven written. years later. But and they yeah, really cigarette butt because the cigarette butts would have DNA too, right. so right. that would be a big thing to find. Well, you know what I think is that sometimes um, women who travel alone get like one of those buddy blow up bobs things, you know, so that it looks like there's another passenger in their car. That's not that uncommon for women to do. I yeah. don't know about this Looney Tune, but <laughs> like. It's possible that she had something else in the passenger seat that would have maybe resembled a person from a distance. And then it actually keeps you safer if you're a woman because then it looks like you're not that traveling makes sense. by yourself. Yeah, that yeah. definitely makes sense. Yeah. Just guessing. Yeah, and then out in the middle of nowhere, that would probably be a good idea. You know, I have blow up yeah. dolls. I never thought of you <laughs> saying that. Oh, I saw that. I wouldn't want to be That's you can't drive. Yeah. <laughs> if you could drive, you might bring your blow up dolls. Well, I'm not allowed to drive, as you know. <laughs> So now it's 8 o'clock, Cecil and Butch have come back. That's how quick they went for a walk, like under five minutes, like, oh, nope, she's not over here. Let's come back. We don't know where she is. So the EMS and the fire truck shows up now, and they're actually more active than the cop is. They are actively going around the car. They're trying to see what's wrong with it, where she hit. Um, The EMS guy finds a dirty rag stuffed into her tailpipe. Hmm. He's, of course, immediately like, what does that even do to the car? Does it make it stall? Like, he immediately starts, like, texting buddies to be like, hey, when I bring this in, can you look at this? Like, to his, the garage that they're going to bring it to. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be an a-hole, but I would probably put a rag in the tailpipe of my car if I thought it was leaking. So this is, this is what her dad told her to do I'm that. I'm not a car person. Yeah. yeah like her so dad t- gave her the rag and told her to put see? it in there. See, yeah. Like, Don't do that. It sounds like good advice, doesn't it? <laughs> he said that um, her exhaust was so loud that she'd probably get pulled over for loud exhaust. So if he put, she put the rag in there, it would muffle the sound and she wouldn't get pulled over. Mm-hmm. I like that. I agree with that tip. But... I don't think that's so where does that exhaust go? Yeah. I don't know. Right? That's what, immediately what I thought. Where does that exhaust go? Murder, right? yeah. So one of the podcasts I listened to like, yeah. equated this to, like, do you remember Eddie Murphy, the movie where they put the bananas in the tailpipe? She she did that just for fun, to see like how many bananas you could put in the tailpipe till it actually like caused problems in your car. And she did a lot of experiments, which was actually pretty cool. She does one with a box of wine, too. Um, interesting podcast. And she said she does nothing. Like the bananas don't do anything, the rag didn't do anything, but I have to think it does do something. There's, it's there for a reason, right? I just think it's a good tip. Anyways, so that kind of freaked him out. Then the next thing that you hear about is that sighting. So there's a contractor who's returning home from a work. Sorry, I jumped that guy. That's okay. He saw a young woman moving quickly eastbound, which is just the way they went, but they probably just didn't go either far enough or fast enough. Um, on 112. She was about four to five miles away from where the crash happened. He noted that the young person was wearing jeans, a dark coat, and a lightly covered hood. He did not report this to police immediately because he didn't even know he was there that date. He's a construction worker and gets his days confused very easily. Oh. <laughs> so about a month later, he happens to be going back to bill those people 
when he finished the job, and that's when he realizes, wait a minute, I was there the same night as this disappearance. I'm going to let the police know. But it's now it's like so far down the road that it, I mean, the tip, I guess, matters, but not yeah. what are the cops going to do about it at this point, you know? So she's shivering. She's four or five miles up the road. Boy, she's cooking too because how long? How yeah. long? It's only it about take? twenty-five minutes. Um, she's a runner, though. She's like she's a, a regular runner. runner. Very oh, fit. That's true. Right, Lonnie could run four or five miles, miles in twenty-five minutes. Right. Yeah, yeah. No problem. I got thrown off because he didn't say she was running, but she could have run. Yeah. yeah. Run, she with walk, walk, run, run, walk, run. She had to stay warm too. She's yeah. thirty degrees. Yeah, walking. You definitely couldn't go that far. Right. Um, in 25 but if, minutes. If but she's a runner, running, you could. And yeah, yeah used to running shape. things like marathons, four yeah. miles, nothing. And he even gave so, a, a pretty no. big window, 8 to 8.30. So that's yeah, actually. Yeah, it depends on where. Yeah, in that, yeah. In that A half window. an hour window gives her a little bit more than that, sure too. Does. You know, if she's a runner, she can get that far easily. Totally. Is this morning or night? Nights. Night. Still nighttime. So. 8.30 p.m. So they found her which direction? Eastbound yeah. from where that was sitting. Like nowhere land or no going she's towards heading towards sounds like Waterville Valley, yeah. Oh, okay. And where like there's a town where she got gas because we're gonna show that she we found later that she stopped to get gas, she stopped to buy more booze. So she's gotta be meeting with somebody to buy this much alcohol, right? Nope. Well, no, no. So we're gonna talk about her character in just two seconds okay. as well. <laughs> Some people are just big drinkers, Dave. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but then you buy natty ice. Like, you know, like, <laughs> then you buy natty ice. <laughs> so, so. Like the, well, you get like a 30-pack for like $1.99. Like, they don't guarantee you'll survive the experience, but, you know. Yeah. Beer, beer of champions. The best part is now the police just give up. They say, oh, she must be drunk and she's taken <laughs> off. Drunk drivers come back the next day all the time. Like, this happens all the time up here. We're not going to worry about her. Close the case. Everybody go home for the night. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Eight o'clock. They're well, like, it's, they, it's, it's been a half true. an hour. Like, it's not been well, that long. honestly, though, right, if she's an adult wandering around yeah. and she is drunk, like, honestly, I bet the cops have better shit to do than yes. to chase yeah. this crazy yeah. That's what I'm bitch saying, through the woods or whatever. You know, like, come on. Weird behavior. It's, yeah. yeah, weird behavior. What did she leave in the car? Do you, yes. Let me go back I have Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Her blow-up doll ball. No, no, I'm just kidding. That's just a good tip, though. She left, uh, the police found in the car, the AAA card, uh, blank accident reports, gloves, compact disc, makeup, diamond jewelry, directions to Burlington, Wait a Vermont. minute, wait a minute. Back up, back up one second. She left a blank accident report? Like, oh, she's just prepared? <laughs> the one from before. Remember, she picked it up on the way up. Uh, <laughs> like, I, know, I know I'm going to need this later. It's a whole stack in the glove department. Uh, her I was, was going to ask, was that the makeup she stole from Pornhub? Probably. Uh, this girl's got a collection of interesting stuff. Like writing your blood type on your shoes every time you go for a drive. In case they need it. They found her, her uh, printed map quest directions to Burlington, Vermont, <laughs> which she, which she was not using. Her favorite stuffed animal, her favorite book, Not Without Peril, um, is a book about mountain climbing in the White Mountains. Um, mm. The officer did not find her wallet, her debit cards, her cell phone. All of that was taken with her. That's and some of the alcohol is missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's in her. Well, she needs to hydrate. It's a long, it's a long <laughs> The walk. only alcohol left in the car at this time, they say, is the box of wine, which has been damaged and they think went all over the car. It's fine. Well, that was in so. that accident, an accident reconstruction report that it was all over. It was on the. But so. how does that? Okay, I'm sorry. I so don't this need is, to get off topic mm -hmm. here, but. 
I've had a box of wine in my life, one or two. And like, if I put it in the car and shook it, or shook, if I went and got one right now, shook it, threw it against the walls, it's like in cardboard and then has like a plastic, mm-hmm. you know, thing, ladder thing, right? That keeps. This the, is yeah. their point. The point is they don't think it's wine. They think that was staged. A lot of podcasters think oh. that that was not either a not wine because she was also drinking diet cherry coke with a Twizzler. <laughs> not <Nice. laughs> So in her cup holder, she had a thing of diet. So we know this Diet about her. She had an coke. iron stomach. Yeah, she. I was just <laughs> thinking that. No wonder she became bulimic. Yeah. <laughs> like she's drinking her poor body with a Twizzler. <laughs> like, so they also Ooh. think that could be all over the car because when that dries, it could look like dried wine because we don't know the tests that have happened on it. Mm-hmm. All they know is the color was a reddish brown substance that dried, and the patterns were kind of interesting. They when they redid it. It went from the driver's side out, like you were going like this, mm-hmm. or like this, both ways. Like it almost looked like the drink just went like this from like the she driver's was doing side. The golden arches thing. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Like how does a box of wine do that <laughs> if it's coat. not on your lap? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, honestly, if you get the box of wine and you poke a hole for your straw, your well, twizzler yeah. straw. You know what? A lot of drunk dri- dr- people who drink and drive do. They'll go to like a drive-through. They'll get like you know a Dunkin' Donuts, a Dunkin Donuts, cup. Donuts yeah. cup, and they'll dump out their you know, boo- and their coffee and they'll put booze in it. And that yeah. way, if they get pulled over, it just looks like there's a Dunkin' Donuts cup there. Yeah, It's interesting yeah. you say that because a few of the reports also say that they don't think the Diet Cherry Coke was actually full of Diet Cherry Coke, that it was full of the box wine. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So there are two reports. Again, the cops don't say anything, so you're really just li- relying on speculation. It could yeah. be either of those things. Mm-hmm. But she yeah. did drink Diet Cherry Coke with Twizzlers. So. What's the point of Diet Cherry Coke? <laughs> when you're adding a Twizzler, too. Like, that's just the funniest thing ever. Um, yeah, d- Diet Coke is awful. <laughs> yeah. So the next day, um, police call Fred because he's the owner of the vehicle, and they're saying, we have your car. There was a young lady in Fred it. Fred is the dad's name. Yes, okay. yes. They call Fred and say, you know, we have your car. We don't know where your daughter is. Well, we don't know who the girl in the car is, but we did find (laughs) your piece of shit vehicle. He's not home, so they leave a message. Kathleen gets the message and uh, contacts her dad. He gets up there. Now, the police are not really doing anything right now. They're kind of just chilling until Fred gets there. So finally, at 1236, they put out an alert for Mora. So they wait till that afternoon they have to, though, right? right yeah. There is that, like, standard right. period of time that has to expire before you can file a missing person. Yep. Yeah. So they put it out at 1236 the next day. I think the difference between this case and the Molly Bish one that I did was that the police were actually somewhat paying attention. I mean, they do mess up here there. Not going to say they didn't. But the state police get involved right away. And I think that's another key to this case because they were the ones that put out the alert. Mm-hmm. The state police, not the local police. Um, but not till the next day do they actually go out searching for her. So they wait a full 24 hours. They get the New Hampshire Fishing Game people out there. They get friends, family. Everybody comes up, and they start searching all of those woods, which we all know is a daunting tale. That mm-hmm. is not easy place to search. They bring in police dogs to help find her. Um, some of them look through the woods. Some of them do in the street. One of them that I thought was the most interesting one was leading from the car, the dog... Caught a scent right away using uh, Moore's glove. Mm-hmm. He runs down the street and stops right at the cross section of that eastbound trail. So there's like a side road that comes off that I guess leads to another highway is what they say. I don't know that road at all. But the dog sits down and just stops there. So in the Oxygen series, she recreates this and says, is this really possible that he could know when someone got into another car? 
And sure enough, that woman walks down the street, gets into a car, and the car takes off. The dog does the same exact thing. Yeah, oh, those yes. dogs are trained. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's not that the dog knows she got no car. It's that the dog knows the scent was here, and it, yeah. this is where it stops. No, no, no. The dogs are smart. <laughs> <laughs> the dog's like, it was a Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> A 1996 piece of shit Saturn. Um, So she does this, the dog does the same exact thing. So a lot of locals believe that this was just either A, a hitchhiker, Mm -hmm. or B, somebody, she had planned this. Like somebody was, um, what's it called, tandem riding with her, Mm -hmm. and that she had planned to fake her death. Or C, she could have been the hitchhiker, right? Yeah, no, she's the hitchhiker. And and she got picked up by the wrong guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. she is the hitchhiker. Huh. And that she trusted this guy for two seconds because she's freezing, and she thinks it's her only option. I mean, it's very plausible. Yeah, she's drunk, so her decision-making faculties are probably somewhat We're also going to talk about her decision-making faculties. (laughs) So Mora, that party, the reason that that party was such a scandalous thing is that Mora was going through a phase of extreme promiscuity. Okay. She was, she slept with most of her track team, including the coach... She was having having, uh, orgies with women and men and just going to, like, sex parties, they say. Uh, The slut-shaming online is, like, horrible. I don't like slut-shaming, but to be honest, this is Western Massachusetts. No, now. Like, they slut-shame her like crazy. And it's funny because in one podcast they say, this comment really struck me. They say, you know, when it's the difference between a disappearance and a murder is murder, everybody's angelic. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was so great. It's so sad she's gone. Mm-hmm. But in the disappearance, they bring them down so far. Like, oh, she caused this. It's her. It's her fault. She's missing. Or she ran away because she's a bad kid. They, there's two totally different outlooks on Could the two things. Could it be not true then that she was so That's what I'm saying. I mean, these are, I mean, they, the people who slept with her are saying this. Like, I'm not even know. sure, though, that I've Western Mass I've had, like, cable at this time. So mm-hmm. what else were they going to do for entertainment? Yeah. And it is That's wild true. parties, I mean, right? Like, And it's well, college. Like, Yeah. I mean... You know, there's a lot of like things like this are exaggerated, but there's usually some truth to it. it. You know, and it's like, but I mean, if a guy's doing that, everybody's like, oh yeah, he was a great guy, right? You know, he was a lucky guy. But if a girl's doing that, it's like, you know, right? but. But this was like really common though at college. This is the time of Girls Gone Wild, too. Remember? Yes, right. Yeah. So like. Girls Gone Wild? What's that? Video series. A video yeah. series of college girls, basically. Oh, I never saw it. <laughs> I didn't. Nice. Okay, well. It, it, they really do bash her. They talk about her um, just desire to keep People going. People do that. Yeah, I hate that. And yeah. they're really mean about it in some cases. Oh. Like, some of them I actually stopped reading the podcast because I was like, who are you letting on your show? Like, these people are obviously just cruel or they didn't like her or, you know. That is cruel. Yeah. yeah. One of them was, like, a sister of one of the guys she banged. It was like, okay, dude, what are you mad about your brother having sex? Like, this is weird. I just felt it was slut-shaming. I didn't feel yeah. like... Yeah, slut-shaming's not right. She was... I mean, maybe she did some of these things, but it's college. She was making some poor decisions. But you're probably drinking and having a good time, and she's just coming from West yeah. Point where she had a shitty life. Uh, Don found out later she had just made a phone call. Don, do you want to mention that real quick? Okay. A week before she went missing... Mora placed a call to the home of a woman in Weymouth whose job was investigating claims of child abuse. So that tip fits in with that narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, do I mean, we know what possible. she said to the lady in Weymouth? Because she could be like, 
hey, I work at this college and I recognize that I think I see someone being sexually abused, not That's a, true. my daddy sure. was diddling me. Like, oh, no. I don't know Can if it was talk? your dad either. I mean, there's so many people in an Irish Catholic family. Like, <laughs> 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 there could be like a million aunts and uncles. Household. Could have been the priest. Uh, oh, yeah. Could have been yeah, fucking we, anybody. But yeah, you're right. We had a discussion last week about yeah. the maids. Yeah, yeah exactly. it could have been anybody. Like, everybody should have a maid. But I, I mean, she's definitely <laughs> off in a lot of ways. She's definitely running away from something. She she tells everybody she's going away for a week, going to an area she doesn't know. She doesn't tell anybody why she's there. Like, there's something she's doing, but we don't know why. Why is she doing all of these things? Hmm. You know, you, her parents don't know why. Her sisters don't know why. Everybody reports this is unlike her. Like, she loves her family, but they always say that, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I guess. All right. <laughs> Sounds like her family's super fucked up, though, if her sister's also an addict and, a, mm. you know, like... There's yeah, and if your there. parents are making fun of you for being bulimic, <laughs> I know, or right? fat, yeah, I mean that's kind of yeah, and then insulting your weight so yeah. you stay bulimic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you just call them Jerry's kids or something? Mm, yeah. That's what Dad used to call us, <laughs> Jerry's kids. <laughs> Not David uh, though. <laughs> Special baby. His so the the He's theory the is that she had um, I don't want to say loose inhibitions, but they feel like she would have gotten the car with anybody is what a lot of these podcasts are saying. That, like, because she was so trusting in her sexual relationships with people, she trusted a lot of people in general. I don't know that that's a good assumption to be made, but she was having a lot of one-night stands, and that's what they were equating it to. But a lot of people are like that, right? Like, you... I don't know. You never think you're going to be kidnapped and murdered. Am I right? Right. You know? Right. So this, um, this was a Saturn, right? Yes. So how far apart are the accidents from the original one with the Corolla? That was two days. Uh, miles wise? No. So far. No. Oh. Um, yeah, we're just a couple days later, I guess. Oh, two so days. whose car was the Saturn? Hers. It was the piece of shit they're getting rid of. Okay. So, like, I don't trust Fred. Yeah. Um, and being so nonchalant to, I don't know, the police about no big deal and stuff, maybe she's, like, freaked out about, you know, getting abused by him because of a, another car accident. And then she goes and hitchhikes because she didn't want the police. She didn't want anybody. She doesn't want anybody. So she wanted to get out of there. So well, what's her reason for wanting to go to Vermont? Well, like, we're going to get to that, too. Okay. But let me go back to Steve's point right now because it's a good point. Kathleen, the sister, the first day that they're missing, she says to the police, uh, like to like the news media and the police and like a, uh, what's it called? A, the press release type of thing. Mm-hmm. She says, um, we know you might be scared to come home, but you're fine. We're not mad at you. Mm. Like those are Kathleen's words. So, like, everyone took that to be, like, who she's scared of. Why would she be scared, mm. like, to come home to her family? Mm. That was a very, like, that's where people took Fred and ran with it. Mm. Like, Fred is a very big suspect in this, her dad. Mm. Um, was her dad a smoker? It doesn't sound like it. He was a runner. No, he looks like Woody Bulger, little small Irish guy, very avid runner, very avid outdoorsman. He used to take them on weekends where they would, like, backpack through the woods. Um, mm. He taught them how to survive without... So his thing was she can survive. He said it a couple of times, but everyone else is like, it's February. She can't drunk. survive. And she has no clothes. Like, what she said she was wearing a sweatshirt and jeans. Like, yeah. jeans get wet, and they're the worst thing for you when you're well, outdoors. Well, I also learned from Bear Grylls how to survive in the wilderness, personally. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. She'll but she's I learned how to book Are a hotel sure, Craig? instead. <laughs> not a chance, not a chance. But, like, <laughs> she's she's got her money and her cell phone and stuff like that, but she's spending her money on alcohol not food right? yes so yeah. 
She's just getting drunker and drunker or maintaining that level. So here's what we're going to talk about the investigation. And that part comes back to it. But I'm going to start with the boyfriend because you got to start with the boyfriend always. Like, I feel like right. he's the first suspect because she has a boyfriend during all of these <clears throat> sexual escapades. She's actually engaged. She is engaged to be married to Bill Rausch, and he is a West Point graduate with her. He is stationed out in Oklahoma, though, at Fort Sill. Moore has plans that summer to move to Fort Sill. Um, she has set up an internship to work in Oklahoma so they can be together. Um, so the big thing there is everybody keeps saying, how really close could you be if she was doing what she was doing? And I don't necessarily agree with that because um, she found out that Bill was also having an affair. So Bill started sleeping with one of their old, one of Moore's old track members of West Point. This track team is These track quite team. fun. Yes. <laughs> Warning, but, if I your mean, kids are on track teams. Some <laughs> couples have open relationships, period, but period. especially over long distances. Some, right. I could see a couple being like, I love you, you're my forever story, but I'm not going to see you for a year, so, you know, you do you. You know you what I'm saying? You. Or you do him or whatever, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you do it. <laughs> but I, it seemed like Moore the whole didn't know about team. it. It seemed like Moore didn't know about Bill because her sister told her. So her sister's also on the track team in West Point. What the fuck is up with this track mm. team? So guys. her sister then calls her and says, hey, just so you know, Julie, whatever her name is. And Julie's a sister, so let's say Henry, I don't know, is sleeping with Bill. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what? So she didn't that's know. that's why she became promiscuous, too. It's like, so, you know what? I fuck mean, it. I'm going out. I'm going to have a good time. I don't know. Who knows? It's like in that movie Clerks where she's like, I'm going to put all the hookers in time square to shame. So they started dating her freshman year. They've been dating for a while. He's a lieutenant. Um, he's from Ohio. She goes quite often to his family's house in Ohio. They are the ones who pay for her track phone. So they have track phone. Yeah, you know, like the she has a burner. Yeah, oh, okay. she's a drug dealer, evidently. I don't know. Um, friends, a lot of her friends do not like Bill. He's very controlling. Uh, typical like army guy that like he is the ruler and he says everything and she kind of like has to bow down. Chauvinistic. Yeah. So they don't like him. They all encourage her to break up. Um, and what I think is really interesting is when the Oxygen series came out, Bill spent 24 hours bashing the lead podcaster like went online till 5 a.m and was just relentless saying how unprofessional she was and she didn't even blame him like i watched the series he barely was even mentioned why is he even a suspect if he's in fucking kentucky he's in oklahoma o okay Oklahoma. Yeah, same, we're gonna talk about thing, that too because really. the only reason it's pre 9 11 so the only way we can verify that he was in there was his friends say he was in Oklahoma. It can't be pre-9-11. We're in 2004. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally post. Yeah, yeah. it should have been known. But his friends are the ones who verified to the police, but the which is are weird. Fresh. Yeah, that is weird. Because, like, why wouldn't they have checked the records? From what I know, they were checked it with his friends. That he I was mean, definitely it would be hard to get from Oklahoma to New Hampshire without leaving some sort of trail. You'd either have to fly... Mm -hmm. Or you'd have to put gas in a car. But somehow. you can't fly to that part of New Hampshire. So you, no. even if you flew to say Concord or Manchester, yeah. then you have to drive. You've got to rent a car yeah. and drive. Or and there would be huge you know, trails. Somebody. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The police so. immediately take him out of the suspect pool. Yeah. Immediately yeah. because they're like, you're too far away. And so does the podcaster that he blasted. She takes him right out too. Like nobody even pays attention to him. The things that get weird is that from. The murder to now, he's been brought into court on like domestic violence by like twenty-five women. Her boyfriend. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. These people really do get around. So he and even even recently he has he's up for a sex abuse trial in DC. Oh, he's just an all-around. So he, yeah, he has an interesting past. So they were saying, like, if this guy has a history of it, you should at least take a look at him more than, oh, you're in Oklahoma. Well, your buddies say it. Like, that's I mean, it's hard to kill somebody in New Hampshire if you are in Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm with Dave. I mean, it is hard. It, yeah, it, it would be. I mean. Not that there's anything to do in Oklahoma. I could guess you could just walk to New Hampshire to kill somebody. Yeah, right. but or that part of New Hampshire yeah. is not a lot yeah, to do like, either. But. It's either that or I stay in Oklahoma and wait for a tornado to hit me. Yeah. Like... <laughs> it also came out that his mom had access to her phone because she bought it. So there was a voicemail about the party. So Kate, Mora's best friend, called Mora and left a voicemail saying... That night of the party, where did you go? I saw you leave with that guy. I'm ready to leave. Where are you? Mm-hmm. She then says, um, Kate leaves some kind of message insinuating, like, if you guys are hooking up, that's cool. Just let me know. Right. So I can leave the party. Ready to go home. Yeah. Yeah. So that also came out later that mom had already been, like, accessing her voicemails. Bill's mom. Mm-hmm. So that's another interesting fact for Bill. But I ruled him out as well. So he is not my main suspect. So then, the, but I want to come back to that night really quick. Um, the fact is, the last time she was really seen at that party was walking away with that guy. And then they got in the car accident. Was mm-hmm. he in the car for that first car accident? Yeah, like, who's this, who's this guy? guy? Yeah. You know? I think it brings up the option of the guy being in a car, and there were three guys that weren't from UMass. They weren't people they knew. She took off with them. Mm-hmm. We don't know where she went. And next thing you know, she's in a first car accident. Probably a driving instructor. so okay inside the car they found her drink but they only find one drink Mm -hmm. like is there any evidence that there were two people in that car at any point not that i know of but the police are not releasing yeah anything like anything like some cases you can find something nothing i'm going back to the uh Reenactment. The guy, the guy was so thorough in that report. I, I don't. I think he might even mention that that he didn't find any evidence of no. anyone else being in that car. Well, so I, I don't. I want you to tell the story the way you want. But did they find a body or something? Like, is this still just a disappearance? They did not find a body. Okay, so it, it like this whole thing is kind of confusing to me. Like, why mm-hmm. do so many people care about some drunk college girl who maybe goes for a walk in the woods of New Hampshire and gets lost? You know what I mean? For eighteen years, yeah. Wow. All those all those kids she banged cares. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously if she obviously if she died in the woods, they'd have found her body by now. Maybe not. So. Those woods Maybe are not, not well traveled. You don't really walk through them. They don't, it's like to, don't they hunt in those woods though? Uh, maybe not that close to the they highway. They had a lot of. You know? They had cadaver dogs looking but for them. They her. did. People get lost in the woods oh, all sure. the time for yeah. years. Yeah. They disappear. Um, that area too, like it's. I mean, it's the mountains, right? So it's possibly mm-hmm. there's a snow slide, maybe, or a snow squall that kind of spins you around, gets you lost, right? And then you, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, maybe they'd find her bones, but. We've covered a few cases like Molly Bish where her bones were in the woods and it took, yeah, Yeah. years for them to discover them. Yeah, Yeah. and at that point, they're going to be eaten because, I mean, you're up in the north woods where there are actual animals that would eat. Oh, yeah. Fisher cats, bears, there are animals that are bigger. And also, like, um, vermin eat bones. Mm -hmm. So if there's a lot of, like, moles or mice up there, her bones would be gone, too. Like, you could totally be gone in Mm -hmm. this amount of time. I mean, it's almost... 
You know, 2004 is a long time ago. Sure. Mm. Yeah. It's almost. So why do so many people talk about this? It's a very big case. And I don't know. I mean, I guess I know why, because there's so many questions with it, that it it leads you down every avenue. Like there are entire podcasts on two seconds of what I'm saying. I know you were telling us that. So, okay, question. Somebody said that there was a car, a Jeep parked in front of her car at one point. A police cruiser. SUV. An SUV. Okay. Yeah, not necessarily a Jeep. Now, would the distance that she walked, um, according to the dog, been consistent with the size of that SUV? It was a top. Well, I think it was a Tahoe. I'm gonna get there later. Um, I think it was a Tahoe. So, I mean, close. It's not that far. Was this the car that was nose to nose? Nose to nose. Yeah, but I think he leaves the scene. I don't know. Because the thing is, is if. If she went into the woods, the dogs would have noticed that. Right away. Right. They do track they her on the street, that. right? So she she got into something. Right. Either she was being taken to the back of a police cruiser, if a cruiser was seen, and we have a townie cop story, maybe? Right. I do bring um, up a townie cop story. He's, he's one of my number one suspects. Yeah. Um, He's dead now, so. Or she stuck out a thumb and somebody picked her up. But the thing is, is that, you know, and I guess it's a female, but, uh, you know, if you've ever stuck out a thumb in a place like that, you're going to be holding out a thumb for quite a while. Exactly. Anybody Not a well-traveled over. road yeah. either. Because the mountains so. there are so large, they don't have lights on them, so yep. they close at four. That's the other thing. So there's not a lot of traffic. There's not a lot to do in these areas. You go yeah. into town yeah. once your mountains close for The podcaster uh, from the disappearance thing went there, and 11 cars went by from 7.20 to 8 o'clock that night. Like, she just was saying, like, how busy is this road? I'm just going to sit here yeah. in February and see what happens. So she said 11 cars drove by in that time because people do commute for work. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it's very late at night for people to be commuting home from work. But I guess hours are different for everybody. You know, but, Jill asked a very good question here. I, I just don't want to escape. But um, you... Gracia, you asked me to look at Brianna Maitland to scan that one, which I did. And what occurred to me, the same thing occurred to Jill, that had more interesting aspects to it in my mind than more, but Maura Murray's getting all the attention. So I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it either, I guess. Because I, I also feel like if she, <clears throat> like this girl has clearly got some issues, right? Mm. Uh, among them, alcoholism and different issues. If she doesn't want to be a part of her life anymore, maybe she needs something to break her free from this. She sticks out her thumb. She gets in a car with somebody. She rides out to God only knows where, Texas, California. She doesn't want to be found, maybe. She doesn't want to come back. She's only from Canada. That comes up, too. Yeah, She's not far. Everybody wants to be a Canadian. (laughs) Who doesn't, right? Oh, my God. (laughs) It's true. Why? Um, I think Brianna Maitland gets overlooked because she was in the drug scene. I think that that... This you girl's know? in the sex and alcohol scene. Yeah, right? but under the radar, like this Brianna was sound like under the radar. <laughs> well, <laughs> now people are talking about it, but people weren't like think about it. Social media wasn't a thing. Mm. Yeah. So this is just like her having Maybe fun at college parties. You know, she MySpace, probably had a MySpace page. <laughs> the whole track. Um, but back to David's thing about the two, I'm going to give two suspects for each of those cases. Okay. So um, there was an interesting podcast that I think someone had the theory of. Well, how often does somebody just drive up and get, and have the opportunity to take somebody? And they were saying that the two things that people look for as far as killers are temptation opportunity. If you just happen to drive by and there's a girl right there freezing cold, drunk, 
it is a good opportunity, and the temptation is definitely there. It sure is. So if those two things are there, it makes it easy for somebody. Never had that temptation. A possible serial killer that lives in the area. Uh, so remember above where the dogs led her to the road stopping? That's where we're talking about now that we think he got, she got in the car with this guy. His name is Israel Keys. He was born in Cove, Utah in 1978. He comes from a large Mormon family. He then converts to a faith which is called a fundamentalist, fundamentalist Christianity racist. Military, hmm. like, kind of like the Amish, he... Becomes this like this is what he says, right? So he moves. (laughs) He moves into this home that has no electricity, no water, no nothing, and tries to live off the land. But they become anti-Semites while they're there. I keep trying to tell Craig that we should try to live off the land. So this is what he does. He joins this like cult grass in your backyard, and he becomes this like ex-Mormon slash. But he describes everybody. It's like the Amish, but it's not. It's so he's, racist. He, he doesn't like Jewish people. Is it also black people? Of any color. And women. He doesn't really like women either. Gee. Okay. Well, I can see that. I mean, so he travels around. He's a confirmed serial killer. He's mm-hmm. killed a bunch of people. Yeah, I know that name. I yeah. actually was thought to look into him for a little bit just because, but then I, I couldn't go off in any more tangents because yeah, there's so Lou many tangents. Yeah, actually mentioned we should cover him at one point. Okay. That sounds yeah. like fun. So. Thanks, yeah. Lou. He actually lives with, like, an ex-convicted white supremacist murderer, too, for a while there. He moves in with a guy named Chivi Kiho. Do you know who that is? That I don't. Evidently. Yeah, I haven't followed the story, too. That, like, that, that's the thing with all these, like, like complete racist people. They always, like, have these other guys that oh, they're yeah. living with. I'm you know? just living with it's my like... roommate. <laughs> <laughs> they got to the away all the time. And and, sometimes you know. we practice wrestling in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> so Israel Great found story. all of his victims by just random. The rare naked chokehold. All of them. <laughs> I was trying not to go off on too tangents. <laughs> the rare one. No, I, I meant rear, yeah. Rear. Rear naked. Oh, Lord. Yes. That's what they call it. Bare naked chokehold? Is that what it is? That's what I That's when the bare naked ladies is playing in the background. Oh, Lord. So Israel is someone who does this all the time. He actually has found many of his victims by just picking them up on the side of the road. Do you want to know why they call it a rear naked chokehold? <laughs> yes. Now that you brought this up. It okay. was Steve. Because in judo, you wear a gi. Half of the chokes in judo from the rear are done with the gi. That's not naked. The, this chokehold is done without a gi. That's why they call it naked. Gi guys and gi. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Anyway, just wanted to share that all Thank with you, Dad. You. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> That's okay. You. And if the gi is pleather. <laughs> <laughs> or sparkles with rhinestones. <laughs> so Israel was a serial killer who always traveled uh, different locations and picked up his victims just randomly. He actually hid throughout New Hampshire murder kits in murder the woods. Murder kit? Yeah. What's a murder uh, kit? He, ha- he had mm-hmm. packages of zip ties and hidden weapons mm-hmm. so that when he was on a road, if he needed them... He could just pull over, kill her in the woods right there. I like the preparedness. Do you know that that's common with serial killers? Ted Bundy, the Hillside Stranglers had murder kits, yeah? He had multiple throughout the woods of of the same area in New Hampshire. Hmm. I mean, you want to be efficient. I think so. 
Success, preparedness. Well, you, should, how you, get there. you should choose a different field. Well, I do think it's interesting what his job was. He robbed people, like mm. because he didn't want to have to be constrained to job. like, yeah, like, <laughs> like file yes. taxes. The IRS. <laughs> monster. I'm like, how does this guy just drive around all day? Years. And he does all he does. He robs robber. houses to live his lifestyle. Is what he told people. How much does he get paid for that? Jeez. Yeah, he robs houses <laughs> to live his lifestyle. Is what he told the cops. <laughs> he killed himself in jail when he got caught in 2012. Well, he got caught on a double murder. There goes. Retirement. In the northern corner. <laughs> Do you feel like he was taking like an aptitude test senior year, and it was like you should be a robber and a killer, and he was like, well, Makes "All right sense. then." <laughs> I got mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> you want to remember that proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. That's right. You're organized. You're prepared. You should mm-hmm. be a surgeon. <laughs> I just think it's so funny that he had these kids throughout the woods. You make a good point that. This is not an uncommon thing, you know, because people say, like, how likely is it that a serial killer came through there? Well, he's got kids throughout the woods. I think it's pretty likely. It is New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to do in New Hampshire. Like the thing, the hardest thing about being a serial killer in that area is that nobody lives there to kill. Right. (laughs) You have to wait till the tourists come. That's why you have to leave your kids all over the place. Then you find them, you're like, oh, thank God, a person showed up to be killed. The first thing they say to their victims is, oh, thank you for coming. (laughs) Israel was just killing me. Football season's over, nothing to do. (laughs) Too funny. Um, So the next person I want to hit, because I don't really know. I mean, that's probable, but how can you prove it? He's dead. What did he do with his bodies, though? Oh, that's a good question. I I started to go down his trail, and then I I couldn't. Did you look at him at all? What he did with the bodies now? Okay. Uh, I have to look up. Because maybe that would tell you, like, if, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, if he wore them as a suit or, you know, if he either, like, buried them in his yard or something, you know what I mean? Like, serial oh, killers yeah. the, do something. Oh, the John Wayne Gacy is the most disgusting one. Right. According to everybody but Sarah Palin. But, <laughs> but they do something with their bodies. They do, yeah. You know? Yeah. Are you Googling didn't, it now? Didn't Dahmer have a cookbook or something? <laughs> Dahmer yes. did, Yeah. How to make yeah, them. John Wayne Gacy would just bury him under his porch, and of course it yeah. would smell. Yeah. So the whole neighborhood smelling all these yeah. dead bodies, and it's like gross. That's insane. Anyway, I mean, he lived in the upper corner. In be- well, I shouldn't say he lived. He didn't live anywhere. He was kind of a nomad. Mm-hmm. He moved throughout the country. He did this like a bunch of places. Mm-hmm. But he had killed some people in New York, killed some people in New Hampshire, killed some people in Vermont. So he was in the area. He actually called New Hampshire his stomping grounds to the police. Oh, okay. He had a lot of hobbies. He said that not only was he a serial killer, he was a rapist, arsonist, mm-hmm. burglar, he just all around. Yeah. A man of opportunity. Yeah. He's diversified. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't want to commit just one crime, is right? Your portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, like, I mean, they dismiss him very quickly in the disappearance of Moore Murray, and I don't know that he's dismissible. Like, no, no, I, absolutely not. Well, because I, I mean, he's unprobable, are, but I just can't get beyond the fact that she's—we don't know that she's dead yet. Yeah, yeah. You James know? Renner well, doesn't think true. she's dead. He thinks she ran. He ran. She ran away to Canada. Uh-huh. So, guys, it's this Keys planned murders long ahead of time. Took extraordinary action to avoid detection. So he's a very organized serial killer. So Unlike most not, serial he didn't killers, people, he just planned random murders. Right. right, he didn't have a victim profile. Right, he picked them randomly. He usually killed far from home. That's another interesting thing. Never in the same area twice. So this is a very smart person. On his murder trips, 
kept his mobile phone turned off and paid for items with cash. Yeah, this is a very organized series. But what killer. did he do with the body? That was the question. Uh, when he was done see. killing them. <laughs> he had a kill kit he had hidden two years earlier. My God. Uh, he admired Ted Bundy. Both were methodical and felt a possession over yes. their victims. So he kept part of them. He, he kept things from those victims. That's also common. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if he kept things from her, he would. Yeah, exactly. Like they would have yeah, maybe yeah. found, because I'm guessing he's in jail since he told the police. Oh, he's no, dead. He's he's dead. dead. Oh, he, he's dead. Okay, he's apologies. Dead. He killed but then they probably would have been able to search, search his things, his and if they didn't yeah. find anything of hers. The only problem is he's a nomad. Like yeah. he hid, he buried stuff. But when but, serial yeah. killers take things, they keep they them. Keep they keep them, them yeah. right? Did like they find trophies, right? Yeah. Did they find all his trophies somewhere? Because he was, if he was killing all over the country. You know what? If you want, I'll look into it and get a fact sheet on it. But I, I, I'm just. Be here yeah. forever. There, there were so many tangents, I felt like I don't know how many to go off on till yeah. I can. Because I went off on Brianna Maitland for a while. This guy, in and of himself, deserves a focus. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It sounds was like Was he it. known as a serial killer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So why I, wasn't he in jail? They couldn't nail well, him. Well, until they actually catch you, you don't become noticed. Like, <laughs> it's not like you register when you. It's, it sounded yeah. like everybody <laughs> knew. You filed it on your taxes, remember? Serial killer. No, he robber. robber. <laughs> no, it just sounded like everyone knew. Everyone knew about the rape. He died in, in jail. He yeah, died he killed in, himself yeah. in jail because he, he knew he was going to start. He was in Anchorage Correctional Complex on suspicion of murder. Mm-hmm. Committed suicide December 2nd, 2012. Wrist cuts and strangulation. He had a suicide note. He left. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, we're we going to rabbit hole. Yeah. The only yeah. reason why I ask is because it, I just can't wrap my mind around why so many people care so much about this story. Uh, you know, because it just seems like a drunk girl getting like lost or whatever. But also, like, you don't even know if she's gone, if she's dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so. I don't know. But I. I I, guess I think sometimes that kind of mystery, though, makes it more... Right. Like, Maybe I do. I mean, it's like, you know, people don't focus much on the Garfield assassination because everybody saw, you know, Charlie Gitto shoot James Garfield. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no mystery there. But it's the it's level like, of the unknown. You know, yeah. you get somebody like, you know, even Lincoln, there's like a conspiracy around it. Or, yeah. you know, John F. Kennedy, obviously there's a lot of different theories on what really happened. So Well, and also like if the family isn't I mean, I don't want to belabor this point, but if the family isn't really the ones having these press conferences, looking for her, putting this information out, then why, you know what I mean? Why do so many other people care? You know what I mean? Like, like, and that might be part of what intrigues people. Yeah. It's like, why don't yeah. the like? Because I mean, if your kid disappeared, you'd care. You would think. I mean, they're right? doing press conferences, yeah. but they don't have any evidence. The he actually sues the police department at one point. Oh, okay. Because they're not giving him information. Oh, okay. And he's pissed off. I thought you said that the family wasn't talking. They are not. They're not. They they're they're answering minimally because they think the cops are hiding stuff. They don't trust the cops. They don't uh, trust the cops. I wouldn't either, to be uh, honest. With you. So yeah. when I, I skipped over Fred, but I was going to go into okay. that when I did Fred, they don't trust them at all. Okay. And they actually sue them and take them to civil court to say like. What are you doing? Oh, okay. You're not giving us any information. You're not telling us anything. We're trying like crazy, and you're not giving us anything. Mm -hmm. There's a cop named Bruce McKay. He is now dead as well. (laughs) So, who knows? But I found him on Reddit at first. Um, You always have to have a Reddit source because it's fun. Um, 
he was a state trooper that was on duty that night in Franconia. What brings him into this case is that Morris stopped <clears throat> to buy more alcohol at Bunsen's Liquor. What time was that? We don't know because the woman didn't report it till two weeks later and she paid in cash this time. But she bought, the woman remembers, she bought Seagram's wine coolers that were blue. Oh my gosh. So the woman remembers exactly what she bought two weeks later but has no idea what time Because it she was. made a joke with her saying, these are delicious, I love them. Oh. That's understandable. I couldn't understand that. If you ordered my favorite drink, I might say. So she reports this to the police saying she was here buying this alcohol. So at 7.08, he calls in to dispatch at the New Hampshire Police Department and says, I need the phone number for Butson's Liquors. And she gives it to him. This shows up in a log. People don't find it for a while because they're like, why is he calling in to Bunsen Liquors? He's in Franconia, which is like his region is a little bit northeast of where she is. So he shouldn't have even been down there. But yet he does. So then we they take a little bit look into who he is. He is a cop who was highlighted by Boston Magazine for being a overzealot cop. He had 300 traffic citations to his uh, cohorts 11. So for every 11 that the other troopers wrote, he wrote 300. Wow. He also had a personal stake in this. In New Hampshire, evidently, um, he was a like civil court judge. That if you went before him, he actually testified for him to him. Wow, I'm surprised they allow that. Yep. They really shouldn't. <laughs> so the exact article is pretty crazy. I cut the whole thing. So they wrote, this is the exact quote from Boston Magazine. Unlike Massachusetts, New Hampshire does not have district attorneys. It relies on police prosecutors to pursue guilty verdicts in minor crimes. To make extra money, McKay filed petitions to the, for towns. Sometimes when the suspect had been arrested, he put himself on the stand and presented evidence to himself. What? I just think that's like, funny. It sounds so, like my kind of cousin Vinny or something yeah. like you would see in that. So the theory of why I bring him up is that he also had done this many times with people where he would get people coming over the border from Massachusetts for bringing alcohol in. So he would pull you over for a minor infraction and then say, you're only allowed to bring three quarts of alcohol into the state of, Ma- of New Hampshire. Show me a receipt that you bought that in New Hampshire or I'm confiscating. And I'm going to issue a citation for bringing alcohol into our state. So Mora, as we know, had the box of wine, the three bottles of liquor. Mm-hmm. He the, it is believed that he confiscated those three bottles of liquor, left her with a box of wine, and that's why she just stopped a second time to get more alcohol. Mm-hmm. And he followed her. Hmm. Now, is he the kind of cop that's been suspected of, for example, saying to female suspects, you know, if you do this favor for me, otherwise I found this on you. Yes, very dirty cop. Yeah, so. He, and he actually gets killed by somebody who he harasses. Oh, like, good. In a traffic stop. He'd been harassing somebody constantly, mm-hmm. and this person actually ends up killing him eventually. Yeah, they shared a girlfriend. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember this case. Yeah. <clears throat> so the timeline I got was this. So 708, this officer calls in to that liquor store. 737, we have the call from Mora's accident, that woman who heard the noise. Yeah, so about a half an hour before the accident. Right, so 746, bus driver calls. I gets that's when the calls. cops arrive. Yeah. 746, cops arrive. Mm-hmm. 43, bus driver. And 737, that's also when another person claimed they cited her. Witness but, A, yeah. But there's a little bit of a... 
a question course. about the timing. But so somebody was talking to her after the guy called in about the liquor store. So somebody was yeah. following her and ran her off the road. It's hard to imagine that, well, that she wouldn't have been freaked. Correct, because they thought that that the guy followed her from, the cop follows her from there to get gas because mm-hmm. there's a gas station like across the street, and then she heads down that road. And when she takes the hairpin turn, he has his opportunity. Yep. Because she made the mistake on a crappy road, and he watches her. And takes her. So take but me the, back to this statey. Does he show up at this crime scene? Not officially. Or even unofficially that somebody nope. would... Well, there's one cruiser, right? Do we know what the cruiser... We have no idea because that's only that woman saying it. That so. She did not stop. She did not take any information. But he drives a uh, Tahoe cruiser. His cruiser is an SUV. Mm. So that's why his cruiser fits that profile. So the bus driver guy was talking to Mora. Why wouldn't Mora like say anything? Like, yeah, you know? she just told them to go away, basically. Like, don't call the cops. Don't, don't call do the anything. cops. Yeah, because I think she'd been drinking. Which, mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you think you're being followed by somebody, right. cop yeah. or not cop, why would you be like, go away? I mean, yeah. I can see you being like, mm-hmm. don't she call the cops. She thinks she's been followed. She would have probably yeah. taken him up on his offer to get on the bus and exactly. go to his right. house. Um, yeah, or resort, I, right? That those buses, like Grace just said, yeah. they go from resort to resort, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So, or even yeah. to like to Plymouth State. Plymouth State is right in that area, so it could have even gone to the college in the town, yeah. you know, like. And it brought them to the the mountains. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird. That's why all of this doesn't fit in together. But there, it's all probable. It all could happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Because what if she didn't know she was being followed? Like she had no idea, and he's way back. He knows the drunk. area. Yeah, she's drunk. She's not that perceptive because when you're on that road it's windy it's curvy are you really looking in your rearview mirror that much no you're looking forward right you're like i don't want to die i'm going to drive slower yeah i'm drunk i'm going around some crazy turns uh-huh. like she may not have even noticed him james renner believes that she was after that stop she had her two girlfriends in the car in front of her she was in the car behind when they hit that turn she got in the accident. She walks down to her friend's cars, gets in there, and goes to Canada and is never seen again. That's his view. They think that she was traveling with friends? She was traveling friends? with friends? I thought she was alone. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he's the only one that believes this. Okay. He's yeah. the okay. only one right. that... So I, he, that's why I'm saying he's the only one that says, like, that's how she got to Canada. That There were two friends right there. They were driving in tandem the whole entire time. When she got in the accident, she just jumped in the car with him and took off. Whether yeah. she planned the accident, whether she did it... That seems Whatever. fucked up. It's, no, because, I mean, the thing is, think about a criminal mind. If you're going to do that, you're going to fake an accident, you're going to get right out of there. You're not going to sit there and talk to people for right. the next 20 minutes. Hang um, out with your broken down car. So, yeah, right. that doesn't sound right. I mean, it doesn't sound like she was intending to disappear if she stayed in the car for that long and she didn't have gear to actually get away. Right. Good I, point. I think the butch part... Yeah. Nails that out. Well, yeah, and she leaves all of her shit in her car, except for her wallet and stuff like that, but she leaves, like, her makeup. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm, like, I'm going to disappear to Canada, I'm probably still going to want my mascara. You know, <laughs> like, seriously, you, you know? don't go to Canada without warm clothes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or her box of wine. She yeah. that on the back. Right. But she did take the Seagrams. <laughs> Grace, are you going to talk about Alden Olsen by any chance? I do not know who that is. When I saw that, I didn't know. But can we go back to Fred for a minute? Yes, of course. So Fred, they just think he's a heavy drinker, and he pushes her too hard. And basically, she 
disappointed him one too many times, so she was afraid of it. And the thing that makes afraid of him, and the thing that makes Fred a big suspect to me and to most people is that Cecil, when he called Fred, he said that Moore probably just went in a squaw walk and nobody should care. What's a squaw walk? And he, that's what the cop said. What's a squaw walk? And he said, it's an old Native American thing. When you're ready to die, you just walk into the woods and die by yourself. Okay, I'm with Fred. <laughs> no, like, I just feel like that's where all the evidence is pointing, as far as I could tell, is yeah. this girl oh, you're, you're, wants to leave behind her old life, whether that's via suicide mm-hmm. or via leave it behind and start and a go new away. somewhere else. All right. Yeah. Squaw walking, I get it. I'm with him. So did we ever figure out... Okay, so she originally intends to go to Burlington, yes. right? Yep. So, and she had to get to... She's got to be dumb because, I mean, it's not hard to figure out how to get to She's Burlington if you, live, no. if you live in Amherst. There's signs that say every time yeah, you get on well, that's to the thing. You 91, just take 91 yeah. north. You yeah. don't and even it get says off of it. it. Right on the signs, 60 yeah. miles to Burlington. To end up so at the Kangamangas like Highway, you were like, ah, oh, fuck it. And then you have to take like six other highways to get to the Kangamangas yeah, Highway. Yeah, so what What? Well, this is the other side of 112. What some people feel is when she was heading to Burlington, she either missed the exit or didn't get off in time because there's those two exits aren't that far from each other on that mm-hmm. side of the Kankamangas, not the other side. On and the, she just continues lost? Well, she then runs out of gas and she tries to reroute because she has a map of Vermont in her car. Her map and the roads, should have told her. The roads do connect mm. in Burlington, so eventually, they're thinking she's yeah. going to eventually just go 112. I don't know that that's okay. a good assessment, but they feel that she got lost, was running out of gas, got off the highway at the closest exit, got the gas there. Like I think they might be able to try to answer this question if they could figure out what was she trying to do in Burlington. Because there's not a lot of things to do in Burlington. Right. No. It's not like it's like, you know, and, we're not talking New York City here. And Gracia has <laughs> not know? once mentioned that she had skis or snowboard. Nothing. Snowshoes. Nope. So Nothing that you would do. She's probably hooking up with maybe a friend, possibly somebody she met online or somebody who would previously gone to UMass Amherst because that's very close to Burlington. Or the dude from the party earlier that we don't know. Yeah, or just partied, yeah, down in Burlington. Yeah, I mean... There's one podcaster that believes that she was up there because when she got in the first accident with the Tory Corolla with her dad's car, that she found out she had an open warrant in New Hampshire. Hmm. And the open warrant was for, like, a speeding ticket, and then they had um, pulled her license in New Hampshire. And I guess how this works is you have to not only pay the fine, but then you have to pay a reinstatement fee in order to be able to, like, drive in New Hampshire. So when she got in the accident in Massachusetts, they told her about that. And she had to go up to Concord to fix it, and she was going up the night before to fix it but the next day. Then why did she get directions to Burlington? Yeah. Agreed. I mean, one is going on from that? Amherst. Why not get directions to Burlington from Concord? Concord, right. Yeah. It's, there's so many theories about why and she was even in the area. It's absolutely Concord. ridiculous. Like, if you were to leave from UMass Amherst and you wanted to go to Concord, New Hampshire, you take the Mass Pike to 495. Two. Yeah, and that's that the way, way you'd go. I mean, she's going a totally wrong way to get to Concord, New Hampshire from mm-hmm. uh, Amherst. And, so. But her family used to stay in Bartlett, New Hampshire all the time, so they were thinking maybe she was headed to where her family used to stay and stay overnight and then get up in the morning and go to Concord. But why do you even have the Burlington directions if you're doing all of that? Right. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't I understand mean, why yeah. those were there and why I mean, she printed them. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. This whole case is very confusing. I've been working on it for over a month, and I'm still confused on it. Like Those it, directions could have been like really old, too. 
She did them the night before, midnight. MapQuest. It would have had like the timestamp, probably, right? Printed Mm -hmm. to rack. So so I would assume, if I was the person investigating this, she intends to go to Vermont. Mm -hmm. Why is she intending to go to Vermont? And that would probably help answer a lot of questions. Like, who? There's not a lot of people you could possibly know in the entire state of Vermont. There's not even a million people who live in that state. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you'd think that, you know, you could canvas the state in 15 minutes, you know. Yeah. Call everybody, you know, yeah. 10 minutes, The other yeah, part but. that brought Bruce McCain in for me, too, is there was a grand jury indictment, and it was nobody knows, like, who it was for. They won't even, like, announce that. And the only time they do that is when it's a cop. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible i mean you you hear about the dirty cops that you know they'll get a young girl and Mm -hmm. you know they'll tell them you know that i'll find something on you if you don't do this and maybe she put up a fight you know and he one got out of control and if he's a hunter he knows where to hide the bodies because yep. if you're in that area, mm-hmm. you know where nobody goes. And if you're a state police officer, you also know where, you know. Correct. So have any of these suspect people taken, like, say, lie detectors? They're or... almost all dead. Okay, but back before they were all dead? No, because nobody's really investigating this case at all, and that's kind of the weird part. Except like, for all these podcasters and the Oxygen It's mostly series. just podcasters. This case is only kept They're alive like by podcasts. Where's the interest? All right. Well, you know what's kind of interesting about this, and Craig's going to cut me off on this tangent, I'm sure. Did you all watch the Celia Hotel thing on Netflix where what happened was the girl probably committed suicide, yes. but it was like the podcasters or whatever mm-hmm. they called the internet group. They decided that there was a crime. They decided it. They created it. They ruined this poor guy's life who was nowhere near, right? Just because there's this group of people who are like, don't have enough shit to do in their life and they're like, you know what I mean? Making yeah. something out of nothing. I yeah, we have to be careful with that, but I mean there yeah. is a disappearance to look into here. Right. I mean, so, and it is a young, a young person, 20... How old? 24. She must have been. Yeah, eight, what did we say? Three or four years out of high school. So, it so she was like 22. Wait, she yeah, was she was 20 because 82 she's and she four years and, younger than me yeah. in 2004. No, she's 22. I yeah. would have been 26. Yeah. She can buy alcohol, so we should have referenced that right away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. So, anyway, which suspect were we talking about? We went off on Fred, Fred. for 20 seconds, and then... Well, Fred was... More I there? don't think Fred's really that big of a suspect, because oh. he's just a dad who loves his right. daughter, so, but he's a little overzealous. He's a little crazy. He does have some moments that you... But he is constantly the person that you see interviewing on these podcasts. He goes on every one of these people's shows. He talks to them. He tries to get them to do more research, because he feels like the cops dropped the case so long ago that he's never going to know what happened to his daughter. So he actually encourages podcasters to go out and help him because he's lost. He doesn't know. So he's he's not dead. He's not dead. But he hasn't taken a lie detector to clear his own name. I don't know that that's, I don't know that they've even offered that to anybody. Those are known bullshit. They are known bullshit. But But it comes up a lot where people will take. Yeah. Yeah. Just to clear themselves. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. The cops really, the only one that interviewed the cops was this uh, oxygen series and they're just, Kind of what like about that? brothers burr, 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 burr. and sister? Older brother doesn't really have much to say. Two sisters are very big advocates. Julie actually has been doing a ton of stuff, even locally. Uh, mm-hmm. Recently, she went down to D.C. and tried to get um, different things enacted for people to get more information from the cops. Yeah. 
because they've hired over 15 private investigators to help them. They've got all these podcasters looking. So that's why there's so much information, but it's all, I don't want to say verified, but it's all those type of things. It's not police. It's not um, admissible in court because you don't know where all of this is. Then why isn't it their property? If the police are not, like, saying this is an active investigation, why can't they get the car back? It belongs to them. They did get the car back after, like, 20 years. Like, it took them so long because the police kept saying this is an active investigation, uh, effective investigation. In fact, I can't even talk. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but there also was a time in 2019 that Fred had hired two investigators, and they went into a local house. And he'd been trying to get into this local house for years because locals had told him, check out that guy, check out that guy, check out mm-hmm. that guy. He's a little weird. So in 2019, Fred, um, new people bought the house. He approached them and said, hey. The old people wouldn't let me look in your home. Can you please let me, like, everybody tells me something went on here, that there's body buried in the basement. Mm -hmm. Can I come in? The cops tell him, don't go over there. We don't want you harassing the new tenants. And Mm -hmm. he's like, I'm just talking to them. Right. He's a private citizen. He can do what he wants. They're being perfectly fine. They're Mm -hmm. submitting to this. Like, can you do it? The police are like, no, we already looked there. We're not going to look there again. Fred's like, no, they're submitting. Come look. So Fred actually has to go have a press conference to get the police to actually go there. The police bring in, like, um, these radar machines, and they go in the basement to see if there's a body buried underneath. They see something in there, but they they don't know what it is. They dig literally, like, a 12 by 12 square, and they find some pottery, and then they go home. Hmm. That's it. But Fred had been trying for years because two cadaver dogs kept going to that house Uh, with, hmm. with more smell, but he couldn't. Right. But the other dog had gone to the cross-section right. of the road. So that's what the cops said. Yeah, not our dogs, yeah, your was, dogs. Like, Fred hired those dogs. Was this house, like, mm. somewhere near her walking route? Or Correct, what? it was. Yeah. Not far. Hmm. And this was 2019 when... When he finally got in, but he'd been so petitioning for 15 years. how many tenants years. since then? Just the, that one guy lived there that whole time. When he passed away, new people bought the house. And they let him deal, drill. Imagine buying that house and then having somebody show up and be like, can we search your mm. basement for a body? <laughs> You'd be like, fuck, what does this do to my property? Yeah, I don't know what I would do, right? <laughs> yeah. I thought about that because when they when they submit right away, I'm thinking, what nice people. Go ahead, dig up my basement. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let me know if there's a body down there, guys. So, so Gracie, have you covered your suspects? Because I have one I want to add to your yes, list. Yes, add one to the list. The other one, I'm going to keep one suspect for the next one. For the next podcast. We might okay. also cover... Um, Alden Olson, who has a an account he calls one one two dirtbag. Oh, this guy, yeah. One one twelve. That's where the girl was, and um, Route one twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, he taunts the family. He puts out YouTube yeah. videos and taunts them. So maybe next time we could look at him too. He literally yeah. said on her birthday he sends them haunting messages, laughing. Like Jeez. yeah, he just like what are them just laughing? Just like, laughing. He's out on YouTube. And he writes like "Happy Birthday, Mora," and just bursts into laughter, and like it's weird. It's very weird. He's so he could be just YouTube. somebody. Some people do have mental illness, or who knows? Yeah, the cops yeah. say that they looked into him because he kept doing it. Like every birthday and every anniversary, he would send the family a it's, horrible. They're like a reward because some people like attention, and if there's a reward, mm-hmm. and he could maybe be playing into that, you know, yeah, I don't I mean, know, obviously. Yeah. A reward? It's Yeah, for like information about her. Like, I'll give you So they $10, used to refer to whoever killed her, the family did, as a dirt bag. So yeah. he put two things together to give himself a little moniker, you know, so 
who knows? But anyway, it might be worth taking a peek. Yeah, they do call him a dirtbag throughout all of the investigation. And so the family's convinced that she's been murdered. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. See, I just came across this this morning. They think that he, the, the same thing where she walked to that area and mm-hmm. was taken, whether it was by a local or whether it was by somebody, they believe she was taken. And it wasn't planned that it was, mm-hmm. you know, just she was in the wrong place at the wrong time and is now dead. And her father consistently says on all the podcasts, I really just want to know, like... Oh, I bet. I really, yeah. like, either way, I just need to know. Yeah. Is she alive or is she dead? Like, mm-hmm. yep. I, yeah. I can't do this much. And and one of them, he really, like, breaks down that I was listening to. And it's kind of why I took him off my suspect, like, to where other people did. You could feel the emotion that he's like, I don't, I, I can't stand that people think I'm... Right. I'm the killer. I, I love my daughter. And all I really want to do is just know where she is. Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Like... I do everything because I want her her reputation to be a good one, and I want people to know that she is a wonderful person, that she isn't this person you keep talking about. Right. She is a wonderful girl who was very brilliant, who had a very big life ahead of her. Mm-hmm. And did she make some poor choices? Don't we all? Right, yeah. You well, know, tell me about it. <laughs> like, so he, I, I think even though we talk some bad things about her, I never felt that she was that crazy. Like, I just feel like she was a girl who was lost in her situation of life. Sounds she, young. Yeah, too. she sounds young. Yeah. She sounds like she's got some problems. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like her whole family are probably alcoholics. So this is something that she's grown up with that she, you know, mm-hmm. it's normal. Right. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like she, yeah, maybe isn't a great decision maker, but I'm 44 and I'm not always a great decision maker. So, you and know, then, you know, me at 22. And she went through a lot there at the beginning. When you think about all the stuff that was going on, where she was getting kicked out of school, her boyfriend, like those things are big when you're that age, you know, mm-hmm. your whole life, you thought you were somebody special. And now you get kicked out of that somewhere special. And now you got to figure out how you're not somebody special and you're bulimic, your family, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things going on in Maura's head that, I always felt bad for her throughout the the areas. Like, I know I portrayed her to be a little interesting, but I wanted to show those sides of her to show that I think that's why people stopped caring about yeah. her. Like, I think people... I said at the beginning where I think people slut-shame her too much. It's literally all over the place, and I think that that part takes away from the story that could be. Well, in a way, I feel like it's kind of the opposite where you said, like, people stopped caring about her. I mean, I'm blown away by how much people care about her in the story. The cops, I mean. You the know. cops. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. The cops, I meant yeah. the cops. I didn't mean people. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just surprised by it. So do we have anything else to cover in terms of information? Nope. So do you want to wrap up? Next week, week is going to be the Brianna Maitland case, which we will possibly link more Murray to this one, but her case is a lot different, but we're going to add a little element of more in there. It is, and it is, right? It is. It has some similarities, but it also... Yeah. She's such a different person, but it happened um, just a couple of weeks after more. Thank you for listening to us on this episode of Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite app so you don't miss an episode. You can also send us an email to cocktails, mocktails, and crime at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at cocktails, mocktails, and crime. Or Twitter at CMCrime1. See you all next week.